Every single one of us. And Jesus was given as a gift because God loves us. And he came to break the power of sin over our lives. The greatest deliverance. But when hardship comes, when deliverance is needed, God sends a child who grows to be a man who God uses powerfully. Moses thought he got away with murder. And haven't you thought that before? That you've gotten away with something because nobody knew. But it was still wrong. Today, Pastor Daniel takes us through Moses' experience in the desert. He could have taken responsibility for his sin, but instead, he fled. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Hardship and Provision. hide him she took an ark of bulrushes for him daubed it with asphalt and pitch put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him then the daughter of pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside and when she saw the ark among the reeds she sent her maid to go get it And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And so the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. And that name Moses literally means drawn out. Now, this is pretty cool, isn't it? Because in the midst of this, right, they're starting to expose their children. And the focus now goes down to the tribe of Levi. Notice, a man from the house of Levi took a wife of the daughter of Levi. And so this is pointing us to the reality that Moses will be of the priestly tribe of Levi. And we'll get more to that as we further go further along in the book of Exodus. Right? The woman conceived, in verse 2, bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. So this mother was not going to just expose this child. So she hid him for three months now. For those of you who are critical and discerning Bible readers, you may have said, well, if he wasn't a beautiful child, what would she have done? (laughs) Or I just thought that when I read it, I'm like, he's beautiful. And so she keeps him. And I'll be honest with you, have you ever seen your children be born? They all look a little funky the first time out the box. But they get cuter over time, right? But (laughs) notice in verse 3. 
She couldn't hide it any longer. He's four, he's three, four months old. He's getting bigger. And so, so what does she do? She takes care in creating an ark for her own son. Notice what she does. She made an ark of bulrushes for him, topped it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Don't miss the allusion to Noah's ark here with pitch on the inside. Don't miss that. It's a picture of God saving people, salvation through water. It's a picture of baptism. But notice, she takes care. She doesn't just stick him out there, but she's like, she's trying to save him. And notice, she puts him out in a boat. And notice it says that his sister, who we're going to find out later, is named Miriam. Notice what it says. His sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. How cool is this? So his mom prepares a boat to try and save him. His sister goes and watches. And then, verse 5, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Just by chance, right? Pharaoh's daughter comes on out, right? By chance. And she sees this ark. She tells one of her friends, hey, go get that. And she opens it up and she sees a child. And it says she's moved with compassion. Now, I never noticed this before studying this week. I've taught this section before. Do you notice that the book of Exodus begins with one lousy guy and five awesome women? Two, two midwives who won't kill boys. A mother who hides her son and prepares an ark for him, a sister who wants to see what's going to happen, and the daughter of the king who has compassion where the king does not. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I'm so tired of people saying that the Bible's anti-female. It's such a bummer. And it comes from absolutely not reading your Bible. That's where it comes from. And listen, ignorance may be bliss, but it's still ignorance. It is. And it's like people get, oh, the Bible's so chauvinistic. No, it's not. When some, I had someone just recently say, you know, the Bible's so anti-woman. I'm like, have you ever read it? Yeah, I, I love that. They, they kind of get a little nervous. They say, yeah. And I say, I know you haven't read it. You know why I know you haven't read it? Because most Christians haven't read it either. And they were kind of like, huh? The Bible is not chauvinistic against women. It's not. But the Bible doesn't pretend that men and women are the same either. And if, if you ever struggle that, why aren't men and women the same? Just go to like a middle school or a high school health class. And they will explain it to you. You know, there's different genitalia. There's different, I mean, you know, you guys understand it. Or you should. And if you don't, just go to a, just say, can I sit down in a health class? And you will learn. Men and women are different. They're made differently. And the Bible doesn't, isn't afraid of that because it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. The Bible champions that because God created them male and female in his image. So I wanted to make sure we brought out that the book of Genesis begins with five awesome rad sisters and one lousy guy. 
So now we can all say that the Bible is male, female chauvinistic. That's what it is. It's always anti-men. I'm just kidding. But notice, his sister is there. The Pharaoh's daughter sees this child. And you got to love it because Moses' sister pops right on out. Right as she sees it, she says, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! And the maiden went and got the child's mom. How cool is that? I mean, imagine that. You just exposed your child. You had no choice. And now all of a sudden your daughter comes and says, Hey, mom, come on, you're going to nurse your son. And not only that, Pharaoh's daughter says, I'll pay you your wages. Now, you got to realize, this is before the day of formula. It's important, because some people be like, this is, this is called a wet nurse. It's been going on for a long, long time. But we live in a day and age of formula, and you can get every type of formula you want now, with all sorts. You can get organic formula, you can get inorganic formula, you can get Kool-Aid-flavored formula, whatever your fancy is for your kid. But back in the day, they didn't have that. They didn't have pumps and all these things. They didn't have freezers to be able to store it in. So you can build up like a 300-year supply. I've seen all this stuff. I've had some kids, so I know how this rolls, you know? None of that. So she gets a wet nurse. That's what she does. And Miriam goes and gets Moses' mom. And notice, Moses' mother gets to nurse and raise her own son. And then, in verse 10, then the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. And she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out the water. Now, here's the provision. There's hardship, and then God provides a child, a miraculous child, a child who is miraculously saved. You see the picture? I hope you see the picture. The greatest hardship in humanity is not the oppression of leaders. The greatest hardship in history is the hardship of sin, our enslavement, to sin. No matter what culture you come from, no matter what your background is, we all know what it's like to be ruled by a desire to live a rebellious life against God. All of us do it. Rebellion comes naturally to us. And that is the great slave driver of our lives. We are all slaves to sin, every single one of us. And Jesus was given as a gift because God loves us, And he came to break the power of sin over our lives. The greatest deliverance. But when hardship comes, when deliverance is needed, God sends a child who grows to be a man who God uses powerfully. Jesus is the new and greater Moses who delivers the people of God. God's promised provision and deliverer from slavery. Now, look at what happens. Because now Moses is growing up In Pharaoh's house, verse 11, there came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. 
When Pharaoh heard of this manner, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now notice this. Moses goes on out, and he notices an Egyptian bothering a Hebrew, and he intervenes. He intervenes. Now, listen to Stephen in Acts chapter 7, recounting this. This is Acts chapter 7, verses 23 to 25. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. That's a powerful thing that Stephen said, because Stephen said that Moses expected them to realize that he was the promised deliverer, but they didn't. Moses knew who God called him to be. And it's interesting that Moses' life, 120 years, 40 years thinking he was somebody. By the end of this little section, he ends up in the desert for 40 years. So 40 years thinking he was someone special. 40 years in the desert learning he was nobody special. And then 40 years being used by God. A man of great gifts had to be humbled so that God could use him powerfully. We're going to see the Moses, I like to call it the backside of the desert degree. Because oftentimes you learn the most in the desert. Learn the most in the desert. So what does Moses do? He intervenes. He kills this Egyptian. He hides him. The next day he sees two Hebrew brothers fighting with each other. He says, what are you guys doing? And they said, who do you think you are, buddy? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses freaked out. Because he realized that what he had done, people knew about it. Now, I want us to say this. It's not only wrong if you get caught. It's not only wrong if you get caught. It's wrong because it's wrong. And we have to be careful because we live in the type of culture that wants to say it's only wrong if you get nailed for it. But as the followers of Jesus, we need to get out in front of the things that we're shady about. We need to say, look, what I'm doing is wrong. And rather than having to own it when I'm caught, I want to own it now so I can fix it. That is biblical integrity. It's biblical integrity. See, Moses thought he had gotten away with it. He thought nobody knew. But they knew, and he freaked out. And notice, these themes arise, the rebellion of Israel and the rejection of Moses' leadership. They don't believe, like, who, who do you think you are? Prince, Pharaoh's daughter's son, Hebrew, but who do you think you are? Are you going to rule over us? Are you going to kill us like the Egyptian? And Moses freaked out. He fled. Pharaoh finds out about it. Pharaoh's upset. He sought to kill Moses at the end of verse 15. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Okay, in the Bible, when someone sits down by a well, what happens next? They get married. I didn't write it. Listen, it, it happens. When someone sits down by a well, they get married. Now, as Christians, the well is where we hear the word of God, the church. So, brothers, sisters, listen. The be- you single folks, the best place to find a spouse 
is in the house of God. It's the best place. Don't be scared. But don't go looking at everyone either. Just come to church, worship the Lord, and keep your head up. The best place to find a spouse is in the house of God, where the well of the water of the word of God is taught. That's where you want to find your spouse. Okay? So I'm just, just a reminder. But he sits down by a well, and I already knew what was going to happen before it happened. Look what happens. Verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Uh-oh. Here we go. And they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left that man? Actually, it says the man, but I'm just, I'm excited. Call him that he may eat bread. And you can imagine, the guy's got seven daughters. Why are you guys laughing? I just said he's got seven daughters. What are you implying? But I mean, you see what's going on. His seven daughters are going out to feed his flocks, and the shepherds are giving him a hard time. Because oftentimes people aren't nice to people. So he goes on out and, and Moses intervenes. Like Moses has got a strong sense of justice. He doesn't like what he's seeing. So he, he intervenes. You gals, you should look for guys who look out for you. Not who look out for themselves. A guy who look out for himself will patternly look out for himself. You want a guy who will look out for you. Who will protect you. Who will honor you. Who will honor the Lord by honoring you. Who will honor your family. All those things. That's the kind of guy you want. You guys, be that guy. Be Jesus men. Mighty men of courage and valor. Who look out for God's daughters. And if you're a married man, look at that gal who, who you put a ring on her finger. And remember, that's God's girl. And for those of you who are fathers of daughters, you know if someone messes with your daughter, what happens? Trouble. I got one of those. That's God's girl. That's his daughter. He loves her. She's wrapped around his finger. and He's around hers. That's how God feels about his daughters. So we need to be those men. But Moses, he's stepping up big time here. He's stepping up. And it's Ruel, who's also his name is, is Jethro. He says, how do you guys get back so quickly? Because Moses helped. He said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. He also drew enough water for us. And word of the flock. And he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that we may eat bread. He's like, bring that guy here. Let's feed that dude. Now, you parents, feed the boy. Feed him. That's, that's such a Daniel Fusco application from that verse, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. Just feed the guy. Notice this, verse 21. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And then, verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God 
because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. So sure enough, Moses and Zipporah gets married. Zipporah means little bird. That's a cute name. So I haven't met any Zipporahs recently, so it's another good one. So Moses gets married. He has a son named Gershom, which literally means stranger, because I have been a stranger in a, in a foreign land, or traditionally, literally, a stranger in a strange land. Very common. And then verse 23 sets us up for all that's going to go on next as we look at Exodus chapter 3. Look at what it says. Now it happened in the process of time. The king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their crying came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Notice, the children of Israel's prayer was marked by groaning. And sometimes, that's the only way we can pray. It says that the Spirit makes groanings for us. Sometimes when things are rough, don't feel like you have to formulate it in words. Was it a 12th century mystic, Savonarola, said, when prayer reaches its ultimate, words are impossible. There's no specific prayers here. There's just crying out. There's groaning. And notice, verse 24 and 25, God heard, God remembered, God looked, and God acknowledged. I like that. It's beautiful. God heard their groaning. God remembered the covenant. God saw his people. And then God acknowledged them. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to close right here with a, with a final application for you. If you're going through a season of struggle, groaning, fear, pain, bondage, listen, listen. God hears. He hears. He hears you. And God remembers. Now, when it says God remembers, it doesn't mean that God is kind of getting a little senile and he forgets things. When the Bible says that God remembers, it means that God is remembering his covenant. It's God moving in covenant faithfulness. That's what the love of God is. The Hebrew word for love is hesed, which is covenant faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of a husband to his wife. So it'd be like a man seeing his wife and remembering the vows that he's made. It's calling to his remembrance that God has a chosen people who he has covenanted with. So God hears, God remembers that as a child of God through your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are his. God never forgets the covenant he made for us in the blood of Christ. God sees. God is not blind. He sees what's going on. And I love this because God acknowledges as well. Some of you translate that God knew. God identifies with it. And you know what's going to be beautiful? Starting in the next chapter, we're going to see God taking steps to deliver, to change the circumstances. Jesus is real. As we heard, the midwives protected the Hebrew babies and God honored their efforts. But Pharaoh just ramped up his plans. This is when Moses was sent into the river. 
But God orchestrated salvation for Moses because, as with everything, he has a plan. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm so excited. My book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available right now. It is released and God is using this book to be a message of hope to people who realize that life is messy, but Jesus is real. So get the book now. You can download it online. Go to honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold and where you like to get it. You and your friends are going to be blessed to get to read Honestly. I'm so excited about it. God bless you. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when we'll learn how Moses receives a calling from God, but will come up with a number of excuses. We're all familiar with this tactic, but God is holy. We are his servants. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled The Passover. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio. Hey.